Welcome to the Purpose City Church Podcast, where we're dedicated to guiding you on a journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're thrilled to have you here, and regardless of where you're tuning in from, we have faith that this message will be a direct source of inspiration in your life. We have been in the midst of a conversation that's been ongoing for the last uh, several weeks and today is going to be the conclusion of that conversation and we've called this series painkillers why do we have a series called painkillers because a lot of people are in pain uh, uh, for the last several years divorce has been at an all-time high for the last uh, several years mental health diagnoses have increased for the last several years our country and our church has become more and more divided than ever before. Why? Pain. We're not exempt from pain as believers, but the Word of God has given us a different set of prescriptions than the world pursues. But if we don't know how we should handle the pain, we're going to come up with our own rationale and our own reasons and our own strategies to cope with the pain. Oftentimes that leaves us in a worse state than we were in the beginning. As believers, we should always seek the word of God for direction. We should seek the word of God before we seek the word of men or women for direction. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, what we have actually said is that we surrender all to you. Because you sacrificed your life for me, I am sacrificing my life right back to you. And the verse that we've been using to anchor this entire conversation, you can find in Luke 21 and 34. Luke 21 and 34. I'll read it really quickly. It says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Because quite often, depending on how long we've been in church, we think that we have a certain skill level when it comes to spiritual warfare or the things of God that we tend to not be as careful as we should be. And though we may not stumble into sin, we could stumble into anxiety, which is also a trap that the enemy uses to get us off track. And so, we have to have a discussion about pain. And today's gonna be no different. This is the last painkiller that we are presenting to us as a community in order to do things God's way. Today's text uh, is found in the second chapter of Acts. So pull out your Bibles. If your paper Bible saved, let me see it. Let me see it. Who's paper Bible saved in here? Okay, all right. All right. Okay. Clear your throat. I see you. I see you. I see. You. Oh, we got a King James in the house. Okay. You really say. Okay. You're really sick. That's so amazing. <laughs> so if you have your, your digital Bibles, it's all good. Acts 2. Acts 2. I'll personally be reading from the NLT version. Acts 2. Acts 2. We'll leave some time for the Android users to catch up to us. We are in Acts 2. That's why I said it several times, so the Android users can know where to go. 
Everybody say Acts 2. All right. We're going to start at verse 42. Verse 42. And it reads, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had in one place. That's, that's what we're doing right now. So that's the corporate setting. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes. What do we call that? Small groups for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship, that's called outreach, those who were being saved. Today I will present to you from the topic of long live the church. Long live the church. Here's why, here's what you need to know. When it comes to pain, the local church is the hope of the world. I'm gonna say it one more time for those in the back. The local church is the hope of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning as a gift directly from you. And here we sit in your presence and we consider that the most incredible privilege that we could possibly have right now, Lord. So just thank you. And as we're here, we ask that with open hearts and open minds that you speak directly to us in our situation and to our destiny. May we never be the same as a result of our encounter with you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, long live the church. I had an interesting, thank y'all, I had an interesting week this week. It was up and down for, for several reasons. Uh, 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 and in the middle of this up and down week, I had to eulogize my uncle. I had to do the funeral. Um, I don't know about y'all, you know, have you ever been grown and your grown self still found yourself doing what your parents told you to do? Like my mom called me when this all happened, like the, the family, like, like, like it wasn't like an option for me. It was like, we have decided The family has decided that we want you to do the eulogy. So I'm on other than the phone, like, waiting for my opportunity to have some feedback in this conversation, and I just didn't find that space. So with my, my, my grown self, I submitted to, to my mother on the other end of the phone, and uh, I found myself there. Uh, what was um, kind of up and down about it was the loss, but also where I was because the funeral actually took place in the church that I grew up in, that I spent my entire childhood in. And, and I haven't stepped foot in that building for the last uh, 17 years. Last time I was there was I was marrying this beautiful chocolate princess right here. But since, haven't been back. And um, 
When I walked in, all this nostalgia just overwhelmed because the building looks exactly the same as it did. They preserved it very well. They've, they've since built an incredible, bigger, larger space, but it's still connected to the former space. And so I found myself uh, conducting this funeral, and I walked in with, with my aunt, and uh, I'm, I'm leading the, the processional in, and one of the, um, the elders there said, hey, you know, you can sit up there. And he pointed to the chair right next to where my, my, my pastor used to sit. He's long been with Jesus now, but he pointed to it, and I just looked at it like, uh-uh, that's Bishop C. Now, he's been long gone, but all of this, like, intimidation just came over me. Like, you want me to go up there? So I sat there, I'm like, I'm like, super nervous. I'm staring at the pulpit of this legendary pastor. It's still exactly the same. I remember it as a kid. I could see where my family and I used to sit. You got to understand, I'm standing in the sanctuary where my parents got married. I'm standing in the sanctuary where I got baptized. I'm standing in the sanctuary where I was a member of the junior usher board. Come on, what y'all know about an usher board? Y'all don't know nothing about no usher board. We too modern now. We got hosts and greeters. But in my day, we had the usher board. We had the white gloves. Had the name badge. And depending on how long you served, you had some stars right above. Y'all don't. Y'all don't. Y'all don't know about this. This is too much for some of you. (laughs) But I just began to think back over how impactful the local church was to my life in its entirety. I was raised in the church. I've never not been in the church. Even when I was far from God, I was never far from the church. Even on Sunday morning, stumbling in from what happened Saturday night, I still stayed. I knew, even in my darkest hour, I knew where home was. Even when I didn't have it all figured out, which is still currently true, I knew that the church is where I could find hope. I knew that church is where I could get back on track with my heavenly. I knew that the local church was family. Because the local church is the hope of the world. But post-pandemic, we've lost our reverence for the local church. It's now optional to be an active participant in the local church. I'll come when my schedule allows. I'll serve when I feel like it. I'll become more involved when I get my sins together. But you can't. You have no power apart from the king. You have no power apart from the community of believers because God ordained all of it for your good. 
But we have become numb to the power of the local church. And so if the kids don't have a game, we'll come. If I don't have a headache, I'll come. If we don't get into it, we'll come. But if any of those things happen to take place, we'll try again next Sunday. Because we've lost our reverence for just how meaningful to our lives and our discipleship journey the local church is. Why do you think that when the pain pops up, the first thing you think about is not going to church? Could it be that the enemy knows that you can find relief from your pain inside the four walls of the church? And so he's gotten you to think that the opposite is true. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be fake and act like everything's all right. So I'm going to just stay away. I'm in a season. That's what we say. I'm in a season. Me and the Lord just got something personal going on. You know. I'm spiritual. You know when people always say, like, they got to blink extra. I'm spiritual. You're not. You're demonic. Because our Bible is filled with scriptures that tell us just how important it is for us to be plugged in and a part of and actively engaged in a local church. This is not an advertisement for Purpose City Church. This is an employment for you to get connected to somebody's church, even if it's not this one. Because the church is that important to each and every last one of us. Why is the local church so important to each and every last one of us on our journey? Well, the first thing that we have to establish is that the church is the body of Christ. So if we are saying, Jesus, you are our Lord, you are our Savior, you are our Master, we're also saying we submit to your body. You cannot be... Listen, listen, if, if, if the church is the body of Christ, you can't be in Christ and outside of his body. Okay, let me give you scripture. Let me, let me, okay, Ephesians 1 and 22. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. 23 goes on to say, and the church is his body. I don't want y'all to think I made it up. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere within himself. So in the same way <laughs> that you need Christ, the head, to be the head of your life, you need Christ's body to help you grow and develop in your journey. Yeah. You need 
the local church just like you need the head of the church. It starts with your introduction to him, but your growth and development comes in connection to his body. And if you're steadily apart from his body, you're missing out on the nourishment that you need to grow properly. That's when life comes and slaps us upside the head. We get woozy. We start to stumble a bit. Why? Because we have nobody in our life that we can talk to, text, call, say, hey, the devil's busy. You know how we do. We, we blame everything on the devil. The devil busy. But we find ourselves on isolation island because we're not plugged into his body and we find ourselves in a boxing match with a demon that's bigger and stronger than us because we don't have any help. We don't have our brothers and sisters in our life because we believe the lie that the church is in us. It's not. There is no scripture that will support the statement that the church is in you. The spirit of God is in you, but the ecclesia is here. You are a part of the ecclesia. The ecclesia is not inside of you. I know it sounds real deep. You can write a book about it, but it's still false. You need the church because the church is the body of Christ. Number two, the church fosters Christian community. We need each other. Look to your left. Look to your right. These are people that you need. <laughs> no, no. You need them. You need Christian community. I know you got your cousins in them. I know you got your golf buddies in them. I know you got your neighbors in them. But you need Christian community to grow and become who God has called you to be. Somebody in your life ought to be able to tell you when you are falling off track. And if everybody is in darkness, they will not be able to notice when your light is getting dim. You need Christian community. Hebrews 10 and 24 says it like this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not neglect our meeting together. You know why this verse is so powerful? Because the research actually shows the opposite is happening. According to Barna, an active, by definition, an active church member is someone who shows up every six weeks. That's an active. Can you imagine how often an inactive church member goes to church? I was talking about this with another group of pastors, and they said, so that means every Sunday counts because we only got eight shots a year to give them the gospel. Why? Because the devil has tricked us into thinking that this is just an appetizer. It's just a garnish on the plate. It's not really the meat and the substance of our life. It's the little, the little, the little green stuff that you leave after you didn't eat the steak. The local church is not really the main thing. I can just, I can just read the verse of the day. 
and I'll be good. <laughs> I can just watch seven churches online. You'll end up bipolar, but you can watch them. Because God has different things for different churches. He has different assignments and mantles for different congregations. You need to find out where he wants you and plug in so that you're not confused. Because God isn't confused. He's just doing different things inside of his different houses. And you need to know where you are assigned. So the church is the body of Christ and the church fosters Christian community. But number three, the church is where your faith is cultivated. Did you know that you need to have your faith cultivated? Like it needs to be developed for growth. You should never be at any point in your Christian journey sitting still comfortable and complacent with where you are in Christ. You should always be in the seat of a perpetual learner. That's why God, we talked about a few weeks ago, wants us to have childlike faith. Because the moment that you think that you have arrived, I know Greek, I know Hebrew, I know homiletics, I know hermeneutics. So, so, so what? God's word is inexhaustible, which is a big word that just says you ain't never going to figure it all out. So how did you stop and why did you stop growing? Why did you stop pursuing him with the same passion that you did at the start? Who told you you made it? Who told you you arrived? Who told you you were established enough to slow down on your pursuit of him? Who told you that it was okay to not pray as much? Who told you to stop fasting? Because you used to fast. When you really wanted him, and you really wanted him to intervene, when you really wanted that miracle, there was nothing you weren't willing to do. I'll pray every day, several times a day. I'll read this Bible. I will will not eat. I will just drink water. Why? Because I want him. Where did that go? How did you lose it? It's a slow drift. Sometimes that drift comes by way of drifting away from the body of Christ. You drifted to the internet. There's nothing wrong with online ministry, but it can't be the core of your discipleship journey because you need God's people. Now, some of them crazy. I ain't saying connect with all of them. Some of them crazy. We all human. Hmm. But you shouldn't be disconnected from everybody. That is a trick of the enemy. What we're really good at is finding reasons to divide. We find things that have nothing to do with our salvation as ways to why we can't connect with our brother or our sister. Don't we? I'll prove it because you don't believe me. When was the last time that you had genuine connection with someone who voted differently than you. Come on, we're coming up on an election cycle. Let's talk about it now. What happens internally when you find out that person is a Republican or that person is a Democrat? What happens on the inside of you? 
do they no longer become your brother or your sister? Do you see yourself that's closer to the cross because you vote this way or that way? When was the last time you had genuine, authentic community with a fellow brother or sister in Christ with a different skin tone than you? Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, on earth as it is in heaven, right? Come on, let's, let's, when was the last time? A genuine one. Like, 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 like you know their kids' names and like you care about them and you're praying to the Father for them by name type of relationship. When was the last time? Huh? Huh? Can I step on just a couple more toes? <laughs> Do you look at them differently when you hear them speak in tongues? Do you look at them differently when they don't. Do you feel that you figured out the whole triune God and that they're still, they're still drinking milk? You look down on your brothers and sisters in Christ because of what you are used to, what you are accustomed to, what you've seen in your journey. Do you really think that's it? You really think that's the only way God moves? You really think that's the only way God uses people is the way that you saw it? That God, the big one that created everything? He don't even speak English. But you think he got one way to talk? All I'm trying to get us to see is that when we have genuine community, with our brothers and sisters that are different than us, we grow. God uses other people to develop us. God uses other people to show us another side of him. But if we only stay inside our little comfortable bubbles, that's the only little portion of Yahweh that we get exposed to and it becomes what we feel is the only way. I'm just trying to get you to see that the hope of the world is the local church. I'm trying to get you to see how important it is for us to not just show up on Sundays, but to be connect, connected on Sundays. Because the church is where our faith is cultivated. I'll give you Bible for it so you don't think I'm just up here yelling and sweating. Colossians 2 and 6 says, and now just as you accepted Christ." Jesus as your Lord, meaning that what I'm about to say is what you need to do in addition to because giving your life to the Lord is only the beginning. It's step one. It's not the end. You must continue to follow him. So those two things are not synonymous. Step one, you accept him. Step two, you follow him. It goes on to say, you got to let your roots go grow down into him. You have to let. Do you see how much participation you have to do? You, the Bible says you have to let your roots grow down into him. And not only that, and let your lives be built on him. These things don't happen automatically. These are a series of choices and decisions that you have to make on a regular basis. 
church helps you to realize that, helps you to make that reality. It says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you, were, oh, and you will overflow with thankfulness. That's a result of being an active participant in the local church. The local church can help heal your pain. The pain that you experience from your childhood, the rejection that you have yet to overcome, even though you mask it up real good. When you find out that somebody else has overcome rejection, you can lean on them. They can help walk with you. So you don't think that you're crazy for the way that you react to certain people certain situation. The local church can help you with your pain. When you see another couple who made it through what you and your spouse are currently in negotiations about divorce about, you can talk to them and they can say, no, 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 no. The Lord did it for us. He can do it for you. Let me show you how. We need the local church. <laughs> Here's the thing about painkillers, though. They can be dangerous. They can become problem. Because if you ever been in pain, took a painkiller and the pain was alleviated, that feeling can become addictive. That relief can become what we chase. And just like in the natural, if you take too many painkillers, you can do harm instead of help. Your situation becomes worse instead of better. And so when it comes to the painkiller that is the local church, we got to be careful not to OD <laughs> on this painkiller. Because plenty of people are in a disastrous wilderness right now because they OD'd on the church. And they ended up in this dark place that they can't figure out how to get out of. What you have to understand to prevent yourself from taking too much of this painkiller called the local church is you have to realize that the church is not your identity. Come here. Let me talk to you for a second. Your identity is found in Christ. Your identity is not found in the church. You need to talk to Jesus about who you are because he's the one that created you. If you're looking for me to tell you who you are, I'm flesh and bone. If you're looking for validation from the local church for your identity, you're setting yourself up for failure when these people fail you. Now you're in an identity crisis because your identity came from the church instead of getting your identity from the Christ. So you OD on the painkiller when you don't know who the heck you are outside of the sanctuary. Because there's much more to you than a role in the church. You think that's all he sent you here to do? Was to pass out envelopes? Really? The God of the universe created you to play the keyboard. Like that was the whole reason you were created. No. No. That can be an aspect. That can be a part. But it is not what your identity is rooted in. And if you fall for the trap of 
getting your identity from the church, you also set yourself up to end up in more pain than when you started. Because the church, the ecclesia, is full of infallible human beings. Jesus Christ is perfect in all of his ways. He will never fail you, and he will never let you down. That's why he said, come get your identity from me, not the local church. Paul said it like this in Galatians 2 and 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, not trusting in the local pastor who loved me and gave himself for me. Can I give you a hard truth? I'm not going to get on a cross for none of you. Nope. Mm -mm. He already did it. He already paid the price. Why would he do that? Because he already knows who you are. He already knows what you're supposed to do. So in your time with him, you need to find out who you are and why you are here. Don't make the mistake of gaining your identity from the church. There's one source for your identity, and that's the Christ, Jesus himself. Number two, this is how you avoid overdosing on the painkiller of the local church. So just like the church is not your identity, the church is not your idol. Mm -mm. Stop worshiping the local church. <clears throat> you are called to participate in the local church. You are called to be involved in the local church. <laughs> but God is jealous, and you are to serve no other gods before him. So when you look at the church as the golden calf, you are setting yourself up for failure. I would never do that, Pastor! I would never set up an idol in my heart. I love the Lord, and I won't take it back. Y'all, only two people got that reference. You have to grow up in church. You have to grow up in church. But the local church is not where you place your worship. The local church is where you come to worship God. The local church is not where you bow down in reverence. The local church is where you come to bow down in reverence to Yahweh. Do you see the difference? Mm -hmm. Can I bring it right straight to you? Can I hand it right to you? Can I put it right in your face? <laughs> Here's... Here's, here's an idol test. <laughs> here's an idol test. Okay. What, if, um, what if God decided to change the name of your church? Hypothetically, what if? <laughs> what if God, listen, what if God decided to change the makeup of your church. 
Not the theology, not the doctrine. The name. The demographics. For some, the location of your church. When that revelation hits your life, what happened to your heart? <laughs> These are just questions. No accusations here. There is therefore now no condemnation. These are just questions. But what happened to your heart when you got the news? Because you got to figure out what were you worshiping? Where was your devotion going? Was your devotion to Jesus? Or was your devotion to a structure? These are questions. This is an idol test. Was there an idol in your heart called your church? That the moment a change occurs. You were sent into crisis. Could it be that your worship was misplaced? And maybe you were looking at a calf instead of looking at the king. Because if you ask the king, is this you? He's going to answer. If you're standing at the calf asking the calf for an explanation, you're just going to be standing there in silence because it's an idol. God doesn't receive idol worship. He's a jealous God. The church is not your identity. The church is not your idol. And this one might sting just a little bit more. The church is not your idea. Some of us claim the church like we came up with this thing. This is my, 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 my. No, 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 it is. You're just a part of it. This was his idea. Listen, I'm trying to help you because there's so much freedom in the realization that this was God's. You know how many times I just said, well, listen, this is God's idea. So, I mean, I know the projector ain't working, but, but this is God's idea. So it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to figure itself out. There's a relief of pressure. Some of y'all are so stressed out because you're trying to hold on to an idea that you didn't come up with. The church was his idea. This was ordained by God. And when you make God the author, <laughs> you know what authors have the ability to do? <laughs> Write another chapter. <laughs> Two years ago, God gave us an idea. He said, I need you to go to Aurora and plant a church called All Nations, Aurora. All right, yes, Lord, cool, let's go. That was just chapter one. 
And the only way I would end up frustrated is if I thought I was the author. I'm just a participant in the story that he's writing. I'm a character in the story. I don't get to come up off the page like, bro, like write something a little better. I don't like the way this is going. How absurd would that look? Can you imagine the actor on set saying, hold up, break, stop. Um, director, I, mm-mm. I do not want to die in this scene. Let's, let's, let's change this. Give me like a superpower like right here so that I save the day. Because this is really all about me and not you. I'm the star of the show. Not Jesus. This is about me and how I look and the way that I think that this should pan out. The church is not your idea. It's God's idea. All Nations Aurora was God's idea. Ginger Creek Community Church was God's idea. Purpose City Church is God's new idea. And if it is, if it is, if he's the author, if this is his idea, how can a God idea cause grief? Anything God wants for me to do, I'm all in, ten toes down. Because I know how imperfect I am and how perfect he is. You can't follow the move of God in tears. Anytime God decides to do anything and, come here, include you, it's cause for celebration. Me? 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 You mean me? What? Because this can't be my idea. My ideas are so small compared to his. My paradigm is so itty bitty compared to the God of the Bible. Why would I limit myself to my finite thinking instead of submitting to the infinite creator of all things? So if this is not my idea, if this is his idea, every idea that he comes up with is perfect. So I ain't gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna cry, I'm gonna continue. I'm gonna celebrate. I'm gonna chase after where he's leading me. So how, how do we properly Right? Those are warning. That's the warning label on the painkiller bottle. What not to do. <laughs> so how do I properly take this pain medicine called the local church? 
How do I how do I engage it in such a way that my life becomes better and that my pain dissipates? Number one, pretty simple and straightforward. You you attend church consistently. Of course she would say that to a pastor. Of course you want me to come to church. <laughs> ah, y'all are funny. Okay. I got this from the Bible, though. Psalms 122 and 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, like I was happy about it. I couldn't wait to get there. I was looking forward. Like, what happened to looking forward to church? The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. If it's, if it's drudgery, <laughs> that's a reflection of you. Mm, you got to hear me. I'm saying it with love, even though it may sting. That's a sign that something's off. When you wake up on Sunday morning, like, oh. <laughs> what time is it? Maybe if we just missed the first two songs, you know. Let me. Let's make sure we get that after offering. Thomas said, I was glad I couldn't wait. What time is the door open? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Where is your gladness? Where did it disappear from your heart on Sunday morning? Why do you have the same response to waking up for church that you do for waking up for work? But you don't miss no work days. You wait, oh, okay, let me get up. Let me get up. Let me go ahead and get up. But every Sunday morning is a negotiation. Like you need a three-point message just to get out the bed. Going to church is a good idea because, going to church is a good idea because, George, okay, I guess I'll go. That's a reflection of you, your heart. Why aren't you glad to come into the house of the Lord? Why do you have to be convinced? Why does it have to be a special occasion? Why does everything have to line up perfectly for you to get your tail in the car? Go to church. And why, when the musicians hit the last note at the end of the service, are you the first one in the car? They don't say, I was glad when they said to me, let me leave the house of the Lord. That's your heart. Why are you running away from your brothers and your sisters? Hmm? 
Let, let a taco truck be out there. I bet you stay. So we got to manipulate y'all with some, with some tacos. Other than that, y'all, gone. Then misread the whole verse. I was glad when they said unto me, let me leave the house of the Lord. I'm, this is a heart check. Because of where we're, listen, because of where we're about to walk into. Next Sunday is the official opening day. Listen, listen, carefully. I've been making a lot of jokes, but I need you to hear. Next Sunday is the opening day of what God has decided is the next move in the city of Aurora. God has decided to bring together two churches to create one church that reflects heaven. God has decided to include you and I in that move. And so our hearts have to be right. Because we are the blueprint for the next move in this diverse city. There's no way that as diverse as this city is that every church should be segregated every Sunday morning. Thank you for being part of today's episode. To stay connected, please visit us at PurposeCityChurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your loved ones. Your support means the world to us. As you go about your day, remember to make a meaningful difference in the world. Thanks for listening.